This is the Dallas Morning News. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're elevating how Texas banks. Texas Capital Bank. Member FDIC. TexasCapitalBank.com. Welcome to Sports Day Cowboys, a podcast all about the Dallas Cowboys, brought to you by the Dallas Morning News. I'm Calvin Watkins. I'm Michael Gelkin. We're two Cowboys beat writers having a weekly real talk conversation about the latest with the team. And the latest is that it's all over. The season ended in Santa Clara against the 49ers. That leaves us much to unpack today, Calvin. There's a lot to unpack. There's an autopsy, Michael, that we have to take care of. This season is dead. Did Dak Prescott kill it? Jerry Jones? Who, Michael? Who? (laughs) I always wanted to do a murder mystery podcast. Uh, We'll point some figures, maybe. Also, Ezekiel Elliott is willing to accept a pay cut in order to return to the Cowboys in 2023. What does that exactly mean? And should the team welcome him back or turn a new page? And we'll take a look at some key free agents who stays, who goes. Sports Day Cowboys starts next. You have a three-year plan and a 30-year plan. At Texas Capital Bank, we've transformed our bank to offer solutions that will grow with you. From enhanced treasury management and corporate banking to personal banking and wealth management, we're dedicated to delivering the full-service support you need to secure the growth and success of your business. All from a full-service financial firm founded and headquartered in Dallas, Texas. Texas Capital Bank. Member FDIC. TexasCapitalBank.com. Well, Calvin, there was, I think we thought, a pretty good chance that the Cowboys could lose this game, not because the Cowboys weren't good, but because the San Francisco 49ers are that good. And that is what happened. We need to take a look at that game because it says it was so consequential in that it ended the season. I think it also is ultimately the true indicator that this team still has a way to go. Why was it not good enough? Why could it not overcome the hump? Why is Dak Prescott throwing multiple interceptions. I think that was really the key to this game were those turnovers. So we, we need to devote the attention to it. Let's devote the attention. Where does your mind first go as to why the Cowboys are not presently preparing to face the Philadelphia Eagles this weekend? Uh, the roster is just not as good as the 49ers and the Eagles. It's that simple. Um, I remember when, when we had the draft last April and, and when free agency ended, I looked at the Eagles roster and I said, man, they, they made some significant changes. And the 49ers already had a much better roster than the Cowboys, as evidenced by the Niners knocking off the Cowboys in the wild card round last year. And Jerry Jones saying we need to get big up the middle, meaning the, the interior defensive line. And the Cowboys really didn't do that. And they were hoping that some of their uh, younger players, some guys that they drafted on the interior line would make that second-year jump or third-year jump, and they did not on a consistent basis. So – um, I am a little bit surprised that the Cowboys lost to the 49ers, considering the Niners had a, a rookie quarterback and Brock Purdy starting in that contest. 
Um, I thought they had a chance to win that game, but you have to make Brock Purdy act like a rookie, and he did at times, but Dak Prescott got outplayed in that game. Uh, two interceptions. Now, they were both um, just – just one was a bad throw, I think, to to, to Michael Gallup, and, and Gallup didn't do a good job in helping uh, Dak. And then the other one towards C.D. Lamb, that was tipped, and, you know, we know that was a tip balls, Michael. Uh, bad things happen. So – but overall, the Cowboys just don't, do not have a good enough roster to compete with the elite teams in the NFC, and that's where Philadelphia and San Francisco reside. Yeah, I think of how this offense, you know, so many of the key decisions in the offseason, you know, in free agency, they have a way of, of rearing their head in terms of if you make the right call, like say you trade for A.J. Brown and you, you spare a first-round draft pick to get him, you know, and it works, you're playing in the NFC Conference Championship game. If you trade away Amari Cooper and you re-sign Michael Gallup coming off of an ACL and you're looking for guys and asking for, you know, a third-round draft pick to step in, that really showed up in Santa Clara. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, C.D. Lamb had a good game, but Michael Gallup was held without a reception. And overall, when you just look at his production this season, he averaged 10.9 yards per catch, worse in his NFL career, he caught a pass on 52.7% of his targets, lowest since his rookie season. I think the Cowboys are going to have to really, really concentrate and take a look at, you know, Dak Prescott is his team's quarterback. That won't change in 2023. Who he's throwing to, that is where I think a lot of the attention is going to go in the months ahead. Uh, maybe a little bit of free agency, but certainly in the draft. And And we've Got a lot of time before then. As I mentioned at the very top, we're going to talk about some of the Cowboys free agents. But answers here in late January aren't really going to come. It's more setting the groundwork for some of those decisions that will be made because decisions haven't not been made in in many instances. A lot of contract negotiations, a lot of future planning. But I got to think helping Dak Prescott with more weapons is a big part of what needs to come this spring. You know, when they drafted Jalen Tober from South Alabama, who's third round pick, Michael? Am I correct on that? Third round pick. I I, I like to figure out, well, where did these kids come from? You know, like, was he going to go to Alabama? And was was he going to go to Notre Dame? Was he going to go to Michigan? I mean, yeah, I don't want to disparage kids from smaller schools. I I really don't. But if you look at at the college football world and you look at where the elite players are, they're not coming from the Sun Belt Conference. Okay, they're not coming from Conference USA. Okay, they're coming from the SEC. They're coming from the Big Twelve. Brock Purdy, doing his press conference in in the week leading up to the game, he was asked about an interception that ended up being a, that that they ruled a fumble that happened in the TCU game. He is playing Texas. He's playing Texas A and M. Okay, that, that that's what I'm talking. I'm not believe me. I'm not saying guys from smaller schools cannot compete, cannot be a legendary players in the National Football League, because we have seen that throughout time. But in this particular exercise that we're having, you're drafting Jalen Tober from South Alabama in the third round. I think you missed on him. I, I think you did. And then, remember, the previous year, they, they got your boy from uh, Stanford. I think he's from Stanford. Timmy Fajoko? Timmy Fajoko, yeah, yeah. I'm still, waiting. I'm still waiting for him to kind of – Stanford's team has been down for the last five or six years, okay? 
that program has been down for for a good while, and you're drafting people from a program that that that's down. That is that's a direct indictment on the front office, man. You got to find football players now. Yes, you got to go to the pro days, and you got to go to the combine and senior bowl and the East West Shrine game, and they got all these ridiculous games. But there's one thing that I've always noticed about about scouts. They evaluate these players from what they do during the regular season, not so much from, you know, the one bowl game and all these off-season all-star games or whatever, because that's what they really are. The bulk of your evaluation comes from who they play from late August to December. And Jalen Tobo, you're not playing against big-time talent, bro. That's part of the problem with the Cowboys and, and why they couldn't help that that position. Look who you drafted. Tobert had three – or pardon me. Tobert had seven 100-yard games, receiving yards, in his final year at South Alabama. Who? Alabama? Michigan? You're excited for this. I can yeah, tell. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. Help me. Tell me. Southern Mississippi. Woohoo! Louisiana. Louisiana what? Louisiana Tech? Or just Louisiana? Uh, just Louisiana. The, ra- the Rage Occasions. The Rage Occasions. Thir- oh, 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 they, okay. they were 13-1, and one and, and they finished the 16th in the final eight poll. Good team, good team. Good team, good team, good team. Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern, like Georgia, like Georgia, Georgia Southern? Okay, okay. They were 3-9 and nine in the Sun Belt, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Louisiana Monroe. I've been to Louisiana Monroe for a basketball game a long time ago. Okay, okay. Go Warhawks. Yeah, they weren't that good that year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Appalachian State. Powerhouse. Ooh, ooh, power. They had a major upset a couple years ago. They keep showing on, on CBS <laughs> every year. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, Coastal Carolina. On the coast. Okay. Okay. Big time. Big time. School. Good team. Yeah. And lastly, Tennessee at Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee, a big school. They play in the SEC for you. But they were 7-6 and six that year. The real Tennessee. Okay. Okay. I, and, yeah, and we're going deep down into this, uh, but I just wanted to make sure that we were fair to the conversation of, you know, figuring out who exactly Tolbert played in his final year. You but, didn't have to tell me because I already knew, but get ahead. I mean, I didn't know, but I already knew if that makes sense. But yeah. You didn't know, but you figured. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I think uh, that's a big part of it. And, and Michael Gallup, you know, you'd hope that he's better in 2023 with a full year uh, removed from that ACL uh, because you remember that ACL happened in January of 2022. He had surgery in February of 2022, missed the entire spring, missed training camp. And normally the off season is when guys are you know, obviously training, they're working on making gains in their game and, you know, maybe becoming more versatile in his route running where they could line them up on the field, those sorts of things. Well, Gallup couldn't do that. Gallup was trying to get right, uh, working on the cores with director of rehabilitation, Burt Brown. And they did a great job to get him ready as soon as he was ready. But still, uh, these sorts of things in terms of getting back to true form take time. And, and he wasn't wasn't there. I think he had some confidence issues about that leg. Um, and, and I like Michael Gallup because he's you know he made a couple of contested catches. Um, that's what he does. That's what he does. I think Kellen Moore messed him up a little bit. There was a, there was a stretch where I think Kellen even said that. The routes they were giving to Michael weren't fair to him because he's running a lot of go routes. So that was taking him out of, of some things because they're not throwing deep and you're sending Michael Gallup deep so he's not involved. So they had to get him more involved, running more intermediate routes and those kinds of things. So I don't think Gallup is the best route runner there is. He could run better routes. Mm-hmm. Um, I can even say that about CD as well, um, who I think is is a legit number one receiver. Um, 
Yeah, I think I think the conversation of oh, we had three number ones. You know, we heard that a lot last year. You know, CD Lamb's number one, Amari Cooper's number one, Michael Gallup's number one. I don't think they had three number ones. <laughs> you breaking news? Hold on, let me call the editors and put this in headlines. <laughs> well, I, I just think to me, being a number one means it means different things for maybe different guys, I guess. But I think you've got to be really dynamic with your route tree. You got to be able to move around in terms of X to Z, the slot. You know, I think for what the Cowboys want of their receivers. And that's part of the reason Jalen Tolbert as a rookie just didn't work is because the versatility, the Cowboys put way too much on his plate. I think in the spring, they were asking him to play all the receiver positions where. Cause he played at South Alabama. Why would they, I mean, come on, bro. They probably would have been better served to be like, Hey, all right, you just play the X right now. That's all we're mm-hmm. going to ask of you. Just yes. play the X. And we're going to ask you to do more as you go. But let's just focus on that. And so maybe there's lessons because the Cowboys are probably going to be draft, uh, drafting a, another you know, wide receiver here, probably maybe early, earlier than the third round. Hopefully not from South Alabama. Hopefully not from South Alabama, you say. We'll see. We'll see. But that is going to be, to me, one of the things that we're going to be watching. But what about Dak? I don't want to let the quarterback off the hook. No. Do the Cowboys have a Dak problem here? I think they do. Um, but first of all, before we go down this this deep dive, he's not going anywhere. Right. You know, they're not cutting him. They're not going to trade him. That, I mean, it's just that's just not realistic. Now, he's got two years left on his deal. Uh, the smart thing for Dak Prescott is when he got that $160 million contract is that he got a four-year deal, a four-year extension, basically. That meant that Dak felt like I can go back to the table. Well, sure, you can go back to the table, but what are you going to get? Um, because right now, as it stands, this is year seven as a starter, and he hasn't gotten any further in the playoffs than, than his predecessor, Tony Romo. And, yes, it's hard to win in the National Football League. We all get that. Um, But the turnovers this year, Michael, were very alarming. He didn't even play the full 17 games, you know, and it was a lot of turnovers. And we've talked about this on our podcast. We've written about it in many different ways. Not all interceptions are created equal. But it's on his leisure, and he threw two in the playoff game. In in the win-or-go-home game, you cannot have these turnovers, man. You just can't. And it's it's on his it's on his ledger. Now, yeah, as I said before, I thought one of them might have been on Gallup. I thought Gallup could have maybe fought for that ball. The cornerback jumped the route there, and the other one was tipped. He, just got, he almost had a third one. The turnovers are a problem going forward. He promises it's never going to happen again, and that's fine. But you know what, Dak? You got to elevate your team to the next level, and he did not do that this year. Dak said that both those interceptions against the 49ers were his, his fault, and I'm not going to disagree with him. Uh, they were his fault. <laughs> there have been times this year where it's so clearly not on Dak, where the, the receiver's not getting across the safety's face, or Noah Brown or Peyton Hendershot is dropping a very, very, very catchable ball, and it gets intercepted You know, with, with Noah Brown one in Jacksonville, pick six, cost the Cowboys the game. Those are the ones where I feel I need his reporter to be like, hey, let's let's be fair to the conversation. Yes, Dad Prescott has thrown you know a career high number of interceptions, but you know, let's appreciate the context and not be lazy with just saying no, every interception is identical. But what we saw on Sunday, given the stakes, given how important Dak knew this was to just take care of the football against the 49ers, that was I thought alarming and I get he's being competitive and I and I get that you know he's, he's he's trying to win but you just can't have that you cannot have that and it's to me sets up a, a pretty interesting aspect of this offseason where financially 
it makes sense to lock up your quarterback like today. Or no, it makes sense yesterday because the cap is growing and you want to be able to just have your franchise quarterback in place before it grows even further. You, you rather you want to extend him? I'm saying I'm speaking generally right now, Calvin. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get oh. to Dak. Generally speaking, it makes a lot of sense to to lock up your quarterback currently, like today, until it grow the cap grows. With the Cowboys now, you mentioned the two years that remain. Maybe you do you wait a year right now? How concerned are you? Do you feel like his ceiling is defined and it's you know it's it's not going to be a situation? I, I I don't know. I just wonder. And, and the Cowboys have been so steadfast with their belief in Dak. And this is so unlike him, these turnovers that we saw. We compare it to the rest of his career. But it'll just be interesting because I can already hear all the national shows going on and on about Dak Prescott going into the final year of his contract, if that's indeed what the case would be in 2024. If the Cowboys are intent on locking up Dak, now would be a really great time to take care of it. Just do it right now because his his value isn't what it could be, isn't what it's been in the past. It was a pretty pretty down type of season for him overall, in part because of those lack of weapons. So still, it's on deck. I would say he's 29 years of age. He was the, I guess, after they knocked off Brady, he was the oldest quarterback in the postseason. And he's only 29. Turns 30 in July. Yep. So he'll be 31 when this whole thing ends. I'm sorry, bro, but I'm not extending you. You're going to go into that in, into the 2023 season? You got to show me. You got to take us to the next step. You got to take us to the NFC Championship game with Super Bowl. If you can't do that, I'm sorry. We're drafting a QB. Hell, I would draft a QB this year. You know, Ron Wolf, who was the legendary front office guy with the Packers, he drafted a quarterback every year. So you can develop somebody because you never know. You understand? Michael, what round was Tom Brady in? Sixth round. And they had they had Drew Bledsoe. And and you you draft a quarterback, you develop them. You know, I mean, that's what you do. And if Dak's not your guy to take you to the promised land or whatever you want to call it, that's okay. We got someone waiting in the wings. You know, the Cowboys are a franchise that's never gonna like tank to try to get like the top pick or the top or the, or the third pick of the draft. So they're always going to pick in the teens. They're always going to pick in the early twenties or whatever. So it's, it's hard to get one of those elite quarterbacks, but you got to draft one. So I'm not extending Dak. I don't think I'm extending Dak is, Hey, bro, you got your locker right over here. Next is next to uh, Zico Elliott's. You're not getting any more money from me unless you take us to the next step. No, we'll talk Zeke later. Before we end this uh, segment, I want to talk about that defense because there's going to be some changes next year if Dan Quinn leaves for head coaching job, which I think is going to happen. Um, Michael Parsons was just outstanding once again. Mm-hmm. Jaron Curse, I think, played through so many health issues. You had talked to Curse after that loss, and um, how tough was that? You think that loss for Curse and, and that defense? Yeah, I mean, for Curse, he's he's been playing with a, a torn labrum. You know, he quietly has endured that. You haven't seen it reported uh, previously during the season. Torres Labram on Thanksgiving against the Giants. He had fluid in his calf. He had fluid in his knee. He had an MCL sprain to his left knee. And he had back pain earlier in the year. He's just a guy who just gave everything he had to this team. And I think in some sense, maybe that gives him a little peace as he walks away from that locker room on Sunday. He went to the team bus. He, he understood that he'd given everything 
and there was nothing left. And I think that I think will help him over the course of the offseason when he reflects on this season. But guys who put that much in, it's obviously with an end goal in mind. The Cowboys, the defense, the entire team, they fell short of that. Uh, so that's a pretty good obituary, pretty good uh, way to wrap it up. I think that kind of looks back, looks ahead. Up next, we got to look ahead to free agents. Cowboys have a number of them. Sports Day Cowboys soon returns. You have a three-year plan and a 30-year plan. At Texas Capital Bank, we've transformed our bank to offer solutions that will grow with you. From enhanced treasury management and corporate banking to personal banking and wealth management, we're dedicated to delivering the full-service support you need to secure the growth and success of your business. All from a full-service financial firm founded and headquartered in Dallas, Texas. Texas Capital Bank. Member FDIC. TexasCapitalBank.com. Cowboys have 20 unrestricted free agents, 22 total, counting the two restricted free agents in right tackle Terrence Steele and running back Rico Dow. Michael, please tell me who is the most important free agent on this team. So if you were to tell me that Terrence Steele, the Cowboys right tackle who suffered a torn ACL on December 11th, was an unrestricted free agent, I would say Terrence Steele is the most important free agent, period, hands down. And I say that because of what this run game looked with Steele and what this run game looked without Steele. I found this stat, dug it up. I'm going to read it to you right now, Calvin. Mm-hmm. The Cowboys averaged 4.8 yards per carry when Terrence Steele was on the field in 2022. 4.8 yards. Without him, including the postseason, mm-hmm. 3.3. Mm. Bottom dropped out without Terrence Steele. And it... It seems pretty drastic, and I feel like the fact that they had to go against the Tennessee Titans front and they had to go against the Washington Commanders front going against the night. I think there's some context to that, but I do think the film backs up a lot of it where they were not the same without Terrence Steele, so he means that much. But he's restricted, so you can place a tender on him. You can pretty much guarantee that he'll be back with the team, so that's not my answer. I think of a couple guys. I think of Leighton Van Der Esch. I think of Donovan Wilson, but where I land right now is Tony Pollard. I think he's most significant because the Cowboys had absolutely nothing without him uh, in terms of their offense, certainly their run game. When he suffers that fractured fibula to his left leg, he underwent surgery on the high ankle sprain part of that uh, on Tuesday. That was very glaring and it wasn't a surprise. And you saw that the Cowboys really didn't have, you know, they, they, they kept putting Ezekiel Elliott out there. And again, we're going to get to him in our next segment. They didn't trust Malik Davis to do a whole lot. And so I think it just really exposed that the Cowboys didn't have much of a, a plan. And I think they were caught a little bit flat-footed uh, without Pollard. And in a very obviously important game, that was something that really, really put them in a bind against the 49ers. Kind of if there was a obituary and they're dead and all that, I think that is what really put the dirt on the coffin is when they lost Tony Pollard um, offensively. So that to me uh, is, is the biggest for agent. It's not just the biggest for agent because of what Pollard means to his offense. It's the biggest for agent because that means giving a lot of money again to a running back and Zeke Elliott very much, you know, it was a fantastic holdout. He was on the positive side of that deal. The Cowboys lost on that contract how are they going to do with Pollard? And it might make a whole lot of sense instead of going into a big, you know, three, four year type of deal with a running back coming off surgery, even if he's expected to make a full recovery. 
it seemed before the injury that franchise tag was a route the Cowboys could go. They're, I would think, only more of a possibility now. Oh, I also forgot Dalton Schultz. He's also an interested free agent. You know, the, the interesting thing about Pollard is that the Cowboys control his, his rights. It's kind of like a baseball term. But they could put a franchise tag on Pollard, you know, and they could probably do it for two years. And he'll be mad and all that, but he's going to show up. He's going to play. So I agree with you slightly that Pollard is the number one guy. But there's, there's another guy who is probably the hardest hitter on the team who, to me, they're going to lose. And that's Donovan Wilson. Cowboys traditionally don't don't pay safeties. They don't. They just don't pay them. And Donovan Wilson is probably their best safety. And it looks as if that they might lose him in, in free agency. And that's going to be a big loss. Is it bigger than losing Tony Pollard? Is it bigger than losing Leighton Vanderish? Is it bigger than losing Dalton Schultz? I don't know. You can debate that. But, you know, th- there is nobody coming up in the wings that hits and plays as well as Donovan Wilson as, as a strong safety. So to me, that is, that's a significant loss if you don't take care of them. And, and the franchise doesn't pay their safeties. Um, Dalton Schultz is interesting in itself because I think, you know, Stephen Jones has said they did offer him a contract last summer and it didn't work out. They put the tag on him and that was that. And now Peyton Hendershot and Jake Ferguson are rising tight ends, so you can say goodbye to Dalton Schultz. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe. I, I don't think you bring him back for the money that he might be looking for, considering you have other mm-hmm. holes on your team. But I understand. It'll be, t- it'll be tough. It'll be tough. It'll be tough. Yeah. yeah, it'll be tough. Van Der Esch is interesting. Um, he, he played help, basically. He had that little stinger toward the middle part of the end of the year, kind of no, toward the end of the year. Toward the end of the year, he had that little stinger. I thought uh, Van Rich was fant- was fine, fantastic at times. I thought he was really good. Yeah. Um, and Damone Clark plays the other linebacker position, so you could pair him up there. Micah is basically a rush end. I mean, you could put him at linebacker a little bit. So Anthony Barr, free agent. Yeah, I'm, Anthony Barr is gone. I'm not bringing him back unless he's coming back for the veteran minimum. And even then, it's like, you know, <laughs> forget that. So – you know, Vanderwich is someone that, you know, and he remember he signed a one year deal. So maybe I'll offer him another one year deal. And then I'm, I'm drafting another linebacker in the middle rounds. That's what they did with Damone Clark. Cause I think Clark was coming off um, spinal uh, surgery. Spinal so, fusion, yep. Spinal fusion surgery. So there was no, so there was some question about when you were going to see him on the field and you eventually saw him. Jabril Cox, I think he is, I think that that's gone. That's, he, he had tore his ACL. That kind of messed up. His, his window there to kind of show what he can do. He's under contract, but yeah. He's under contract. So, but I'm just saying there's there's no like reinforcements for Vanderbush. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah, he, there's some value in, in bringing him back. And for the record, yes, sir. I don't think you're, you're getting, you're not getting Vanderbush on a one year contract this year. There's going to be more of a market for him mm-hmm. this March compared with what there was not for him last year. I think he's earned that based on his field. And the next thing, I think it's the one – I mean, you could choose – Yeah, that's that's where you would hate for the injury to have happened for Leighton Van Der Esch if you had to say there was an injury with him. And that's what it was. But it was really more like shoulder muscle type of thing. It wasn't like spine. It wasn't like a, ver- a vertebrae. It wasn't like a disc or anything like that. So uh, I think his market uh, will be strong, and the Cowboys are going to really pay him across multiple years if they're going – to bring him back. I don't think that's going to happen. What the one, the one wrinkle though to it, because I'm glad you mentioned Donovan Wilson. I think that's a fantastic mm-hmm. answer to the question because of, of how good he's been, how physical he's been. If Dan Quinn gets hired someplace, and mm-hmm. as we're talking right now, that is yet to happen. 
if Dan gets if Dan Quinn gets hired, you know he's going after at least one of these Cowboys defensive free agents. What did what did the Cowboys do when they brought Dan Quinn on staff? They signed Keanu Neal. They signed DeMonte Casey. They signed other guys over these couple of years with Dan Quinn. And you just know that that would recur should he be taking a head coach job here in, in the coming days. Oh, no, no question, especially if he goes to a place that needs a safety. And he loves Donovan Wilson. And he loves, you know, what he did with – J. Ron Curse, who's kind of like a special teams guy, and he made him into this, like, the new version of Darren Woodson, where you're covering tight ends and wide receivers, and and you're playing in the box, and, I, and I, you know, those kinds of things. He is – Dan Quinn was was a godsend for Mike McCarthy um, this the last two years. But, Michael, when we return, I want to talk about Dak Prescott's best friend on the Cowboys and whether he should return. Get more? Calvin Watkins? <laughs> oh, Zeke Elliott. Zeke Elliott. <laughs> Sports Day Cowboys will be back. Hey, listeners. This is Damon Marks. I'm the Cowboys editor for the Dallas Morning News. That includes the Sports Day Cowboys podcast that you're listening to right now. What I love about this beat is the nonstop news cycle that is the Dallas Cowboys. But beyond that daily adrenaline rush, being able to reveal the human side of the players you watch on TV is a privilege. Calvin and Michael talk to these players each week to bring you the behind-the-scenes stories that you can't get anywhere else. If you want to support this good work, it's easy. Just subscribe to the Dallas Morning News and become a member. You'll find a special offer just for listeners at dallasnews.com listen. Welcome back to Sports Day Cowboys. Ezekiel Elliott came to the Cowboys in 2016. First round pick, part of the draft that, of course, included Dak Prescott. That was really the start of the foundation of what the team is today. I guess there was Tyron Smith, Zach Martin. Can't imagine this roster without Zach Martin. But you think about this offense, you think of those guys for a really long time. Is Ezekiel Elliott going to see an eighth season in Dallas? Calvin, that's what we're going to discuss in this segment. Should he see an eighth season in Dallas? We know for certain he wants to. He was asked following Sunday's loss if he's thought about his future. I've definitely thought about it, Zeke said. I want to be here. I don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell you the future, but I definitely want to be here. I've been told that in order to achieve that, he is willing. Zeke Elliott is willing to accept a pay cut, which is good because he'd have to accept a pay cut. He's willing to accept a pay cut in order to make sure that he fits the Cowboys' plans in 2023. What are your thoughts? Should he be back? I'm looking at a crystal ball myself. And my crystal ball says, we love you. You're a great teammate. We, we stuck behind you through your suspension and through some other little minor gaffes. You're a great team player and, and you know, embracing Tony Pollard. But you'll look better in a much in a different uniform next year. I'm not. I, I don't want the pay cut. You don't want the pay cut. No, I, I'm, you got to let him go. You just got to let him go. He is not the same player that he was two years ago. Uh, Michael, we've seen every game in person 
every game, me and you, and David Moore, mm-hmm. and either Tim Callishaw or Kevin Sherrington, our producer David Marks has seen a majority of the home games in person. Ezekiel Elliott is not the same guy. Over the last month, whether it's the knee, whether it's just the pounding he's taken, you know, since he got into the league in, in 2016, it's just it's war it's worn him down. It's worn on him. He has worn down. And when I look at the money, okay, let's look at the money. He's scheduled to get $10.9 million in a base salary, right? Mm-hmm. Cap number is $16.7 million, if I'm correct. Very high. Yeah. Very, very high. Woo, it's high. That's like quarterback numbers almost. Now, if we do our arithmetic, if he gets cut, if he's a post-June 1st cut. Let's assume it'll be a post-June 1st cut. Which is what the Cowboys traditionally do in some instances. Lyle Collins. Yep. They will save $10.9 million. Now, the dead money, which is always the issue for some of these things, it can influence a lot. Now, it can spread out, be spread out over two years, correct? Dead money, right? It would spread over three years. Three instance. years. It's three years. Okay. It would be $5.8 million for Zeke. If they make him a post-June 1st cut, $5.8 million, they can either do it in one fell swoop in 2023 or spread it out over three seasons. So that's the money. The play is down. You got the numbers on, on what we saw in the field. What do the numbers say on the field? Well, I'm gonna we'll circle back to the cap aspect of it later. But yeah, let's let's talk numbers because production okay. is is part of the scene, and man, it, it just wasn't there in terms of in the playoffs. And I think that's the lasting impression that a lot of people have. And we're gonna have this conversation about Zeke Elliott's future in the weeks to come. He had 23 carries in the playoffs, 53 yards. He averaged 2.3 yards per carry. Calvin, you asked Zeke. It was, I hope you don't mind me asking you about it. You asked Zeke after the Buccaneers game, when he really, really struggled that game too, uh, not just against the Niners, but he struggled against the Bucs as well. You asked him about, Hey, what, what's there to make of your, your, your low numbers uh, mm-hmm. in the, against Tampa. And what did he say? He said, the numbers are what they are. And he said, I, I saw a lot of loaded boxes. He said, look at the film. Let's look at the film. And we saw the stats and, and um, next-gen stats backed up what he said. He saw more of a loaded box, meaning eight defenders close to the line of scrimmage and those kinds of things to stop in comparison to Tony Pollard. So, yes, he is correct. He saw more defenders trying to stop him than Tony Pollard did. To support Zeke's, Zeke's assertion there, look at the film, stacked boxes and all that. Here's a statistic. That probably won't get talked about when we talk about yards per carry. This is more nuanced. Mm-hmm. So through the first couple rounds of the playoffs, what we've seen so far, on average, players who run the football, they experience their first contact on a play 1.8 yards downfield from the line of scrimmage. 1.8 yards. Mm-hmm. Against the Buccaneers, the average point of initial contact for ZK Elliott happened at 0.62 yards. So on average, he got hit more than a half a yard behind the line of scrimmage. For the playoffs, on average, he was getting contact right at the line of scrimmage. That was That's where it would average. On, on all his carries, 23 of them, contact was coming right at the line of scrimmage. And if you're in a leap back, you can average, you know, three yards, three and a half yards after after contact, you know, you're breaking tackles, you're doing those scenes. And look, I'm not trying to 
you know, what's that called when you, you, uh, you, you second guess? No, I'm trying, I'm trying to, uh, some politicians do where they, uh, they, they oh man, I'm, I'm losing Back sight of the word. No, no. It's like when you gaslight people, when you gaslight them, I'm not trying to say that Zeke's this, you know, he hasn't lost some of the juice. I think he has. I think that's, that's a fair conversation. In no way does he deserve what he's presently scheduled to be paid. But I'm just wanted to point out 1.8 yards is it. After the line of scrimmage is the average point of contact. And without Terrence Steele against some of these fronts, I'm just wondering how much of a chance Ezekiel Elliott had really to get going. And I don't think the Cowboys, I think the numbers don't do him really some justice in terms of the types of fronts that he was seeing and how much room he had to see. Because when you're getting hit that often, right, the line of scrimmage, it's tough to get going even for a good back. And so uh, his average yards after contact in the postseason was 1.6 yards, and that's below the average in the playoffs of 1.8. So, again, he wasn't breaking tackles uh, like some of these other playoff backs. But Mm -hmm. I just think that part of it is important perspective to say – I think this guy's still an NFL running back. Maybe he's more of a goal line. Maybe he's more of a, you know, you still trust him in pass protection. I think there's a lot of value that he brings that is on the field, not just everything that's off the field that the Cowboys and Dak Prescott, they love. I mean, you hear Zach Martin talk about this is the guy who embodies what it means to be a great teammate. Dak Prescott says the same, the way that he can, you know, in terms of Elliott, the way he can go from jokes and laughs and all of that to when it comes time to prepare, you put your head down and take care of your business. So Ellie does a lot of great things behind the scenes, but I think he does enough to, if he's willing to go low enough, how low will Zeke go is the question. How low can you go? How low can you go? How low can he go is, is the main question, I think, defining this whole topic. If, if Zeke can go low enough where the Cowboys are comfortable, you do it because here I am circling back to it. If they cut him, going back to those numbers, for the, for the relates to the salary cap implications of moving on from Zeke. If you move on from him this year, you have $11.86 million in dead money that you could split between the 2023 and 2024 years. Even so, 11.86. That's a lot of dead cap. If you were to wait a year and you were to cut him in 2024, the dead cap that you get, $6.04 million. That is a huge drop. So financially, I think it makes sense to keep him. Football sense, I think it makes enough sense to keep him, I'm keeping Ezekiel Elliott if he will go low enough. If you're trying to win football games, if you're trying to win championships, you let him go. I'm trying to win an argument. Well, I know what you're saying. Look, the dead money is $5.8 million in 2023. Then it goes to $4.3 million in 2024. Then it goes to $1.7 million in 2025. I get it. We all understand it. But the bottom line is this is not the same guy. All those intangibles are fantastic. He's great in blitz pickup. Last week on the same venue, me and you talked about Malik Davis getting more run in the playoffs over Zeke Elliott because we saw a decline in his play. And when Tony Pollard went out in that 49er game, and I'm watching and I'm thinking, give my boy Malik Davis a little bit of run. Now, Pollard went out in the first half, right, late in the first half. Where was Malik Davis? He didn't show up until early in the fourth quarter. You know, now I get it. Blitz pickup is very important, especially in a game like that against San Francisco. But come on, man. You got Are you trying to win football games? Or, oh, you're not. Yeah, they got exposed for not having a good enough plan because if you got to run through these hypotheticals, all right, what if we lose Tony Pollard in a playoff game? 
what are we going to do? Are we just going to ride Zeke against a Super Bowl caliber yeah. defense and expect that he's going to give us? An- That's what they were trying to do. That to me was that was that was poor planning. And it's maybe hard to have a plan that's good enough for that scenario, but I don't know. I, I see what some of these other teams are able to do and rotate running backs. I, I thought that was a bit of an exposure of the Cowboys not being ready to lose Tony Pollard. So if we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think it's a, it's a, it's a fa- fantastic conversation, one that won't be answered today. But if nothing else, I think we've done a decent job of, of laying the groundwork uh, something that the Cowboys will be discussing amongst themselves and eventually with Ezekiel Elliott's agent in the weeks to come. That's all the time we have for Sports Day Cowboys this week. Thank you all for listening. This episode is produced by the great Damon Marks, and you can also find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com slash listen. And you also find a special membership offer there just for listeners. And we would really love to hear from you. Email us your questions and voice memos to dmncowboys at dallasnews.com. Be part of the show. Email us your questions and voice memos. And you can ping us directly. Ping. I don't do it as well as you do, Calvin. <laughs> ping! <laughs> Thank you. I was waiting for it. Uh, <laughs> on Twitter at dmn underscore cowboys. And on Facebook, if you're like my grandmother and you're on there, at Cowboys Fan Central. For the news, I'm Michael Gelkin. And I'm Calvin Watkins. We'll see you next week. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.